a topic that always comes up in conversation when we are talking to couples is, is sex a need? And we found that how you answer that question will determine more about your sexual relationship than almost any other question. Hi, this is Phil and Priscilla Fretwell here with Savage Marriage. We're going to talk about how God is healing and restoring marriages today from betrayal, addictions, and the wounds of their past. And what He did in our marriage, He can do in yours too. Priscilla, is sex a need? Well, a need for what? Well, that is part of the question, right? Right. A need to breathe. A need to live. A need to eat. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what is this thing? <laughs> All it's, of these things are needs, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because I think we have this idea that sex is a need presented a lot to us. When it's profiled that way, when I believe it's a need, it turns it into my need becomes your obligation. Right. My duty. Yes. Right. I, this question here, I think, is an important one for us to address today. And we're going to spend some time going through it. And it really kind of starts with, for us, even our own story that was six years ago. That's right. Six years ago, our life came to a screeching halt. Uh, you had just come clean. And uh, that made me come clean with mm -hmm. some of my things that I had been holding back on. And we saw each other and our whole marriage almost like a mess. This yeah. is a messy mess, right? And um, in our in in our sex life, um, I saw it more as an obligation, like he said, and a duty that I had to do. And and for years, right, twenty eight years, uh, looking at it this way and making sure that you were satisfied, mm -hmm. and uh, so that you wouldn't run off on me. And, and then, and didn't, then it didn't really work. No, it didn't work. Well, you know, and even with you seeing it that way as an obligation, I saw it as your obligation. So whenever the sex life, our sex life was not working out like I thought it should, remembering my, my whole sexual schema was built on porn and all this stuff that I've been seeing. Right. So that planted the expectations in my mind. And so when it didn't work out that way, Plus me seeing it as your obligation. Now I have bitterness about it. I have disappointment about it in my own life. So on both sides of the coin, Priscilla, we were we were just out of out of bounds and and tread barely treading water in this whole area of sexuality. What we learned is that we really needed was authentic intimacy with one another. And it had to be with the spiritual, emotional, and the physical. Well, Priscilla, I think I had always thought that the sexual intimacy was really going to be the key for our relationship and that you had to have the sexual intimacy. And as a result of that, the emotional intimacy would flow out of it. And I don't even think I was thinking about spiritual intimacy at that time. No, I think we didn't even have that in our marriage. I mean, we went to church and stuff, but we did not have a spiritual life together. We did not know one another spiritually. Correct. And so here we were trying to have a sexual relationship without really having the spiritual intimacy together and then believing the emotional flowed out of the sexual. But I, I think what's happened is God showed us it's actually the other way around. I think we are looking at it through the world's lens that if you have sexual activity, you'll have emotional intimacy. And, and it doesn't work that way. I think when couples meet with us and they're talking about their life and everything and they start going through their sexual intimacy, 
and they're saying, hey, we just don't feel sexually intimate or we're not having sex or something like that, there is always an emotional intimacy and a spiritual intimacy deficit in their marriage. And many times haven't thought about that. They think if we were just having sex, everything else would work out. Yeah. So we have to look at it. If we believe that sex is a need, then we have to address a few things. Which, by the way, I found out, you know, in our story, Priscilla, remember, we didn't have sex for 100 days. And and I will tell you that at that point is whenever I think I started changing my whole mind about this stuff, because up until that point, I was still believing that I couldn't control myself. Um, I can't live without having uh, sex and all these types of things that were going through my head, which made it an obligation on you, made it an, an entitlement to me. And if you didn't want to give, I had a right to take. And that was not not good for me. But I lived in that until this hundred days of no sex, no orgasms, nothing. And God showed me all of that stuff is a lie. And it was not what we wanted to build our relationship on. The question is, when does this need begin? When does it start? Because if, I mean, it's, if it's if it's a need, if it's a need, when does it begin? Does it begin at puberty? Does it begin when you're 17 or does it begin, you know, when does this begin that you should meet this need? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard question to ask, right? Because if we say it starts at puberty, then what do we tell all these single people, right, that aren't married and don't have a God-authorized outlet for their sexuality? Then that means that you can, uh, you can hook up, you can hook up with other people. You can look at porn, you can masturbate, all these types of things that tend to train your mind to be focused completely on yourself and not on somebody else. And so that's a real, that's a real issue. Another part of this would be what happens when you have a spouse that's disabled? It can't physically have sex. Right. You know, I remember a friend of mine, he uh, cared for his wife during the last five years of her life because she had cancer. And her body was wasting and deteriorating in a way. And I remember asking him, saying, hey, how did you navigate all that? What did, what did you see God do? And he told me that God took them to another place in their relationship that was so sweet, so intimate, much more than they had ever had. And it was the most sweet time of their relationship in their entire life. So that's amazing. I mean, her body is wasting away. So they're not having sex. But somehow the intimacy in their relationship flourished and brought them to a different level. So that's just telling me that it's not the sexual, it's the spiritual. It is the emotional that is providing the real fuel into the relationship. Well, it's it's really what brings oneness, right? I know that in the 100 days that you and I uh, were abstinent, I felt so close to you. Not initially, but when we started working through our mess, I was going, wow, this is unbelievable. I mean, we were sharing, we were vulnerable with one another. Yeah, We were sharing the deepest part of our hearts, the things that we did not like about each other, the things that we wanted to change. It was, it was hard. It was awkward. It was painful and there was tears, but I felt like it was the first time that we had really, in 28 years, known each other to the deepest core of our being. It also helped me understand what my friend said about caring for his wife during the last five years, right? That they got to a place where the satisfaction in their marriage was not based on their sexuality. It was based on their complete intimacy as spirit and soul. 
And even though maybe they're not being sexual, I am sure that they were still touching. Another question would be, what about traveling? Yeah, and I traveled a lot during work, and I probably used some of that as justification, right? I'm, I'm traveling, Priscilla's not here. But that also made you feel obligations, right, to have what we call departure sex and arrival sex, right? right. Because of Phil's needs, right? Yeah. Uh, all that was very obligatory. So, you know, all these questions are, are ones that have to be asked if, if we look at this as need. So all those things are important questions to think about that whenever you put it in this category being a need. So let's bring it to the Bible. Ah, the Bible. Yes. We have to bring it back to the Bible. <laughs> well, you know, there, there are some verses on sexuality, but I'm going to hit one here that is a verse that people frequently refer back to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read kind of the full passage here. It's one through five. And it's Paul talking. Now he says, now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of sexual immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise the wife also to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband also does not have authority over his own body but the wife does. Now stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as myself am. However, each has his own gift from God, one in this way and another in that. So this verse is well known. And I don't know that we really read the whole passage when typically we talk about it in church. The fact is, is that we come into middle conversation with Paul in the church of Corinth, and we are we don't know the whole conversation, but we managed to put it all together to fit our view. Yeah, and one of the things that they look at here is this idea of duty, the husband fulfilling a duty and the wife fulfilling a duty. And, but you got to look at this thing in totality for the Bible, right? We can't build doctrine off of just one looking at a verse because once sex becomes a, a duty, an obligation, now that creates the basis for my demands. And I think you've talked about this before. You felt like it was a duty for you. How, yeah. how did that make you feel? It made me feel devalued. I didn't feel wanted or respected, really. Mm -hmm. I, I felt used. And we, I walked away from it saying, well, my pleasure is secondary to what you get. And I think part of that is because we have defined our sexuality as sexual activities versus real intimacy. And so as I look at now, what is my duty to you? My duty to you is to create a spiritual, emotional, and sexual atmosphere that leads us to a place of intimacy, of total intimacy together. And the way I do that, I deny myself. I look at you first over me. And that starts bringing more the full totality of the scripture. I know that when you do this in regard to me, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a different atmosphere in our bedroom. Mm -hmm. In the sense that we are both giving and we're not, one person's not coming in to take and the other one is giving. Yeah. I feel like we are both giving to one another and ministering to one another in that way. It's a totally different vibe now. I think this, uh, the verse number four in this, the, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, 
The husband also does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. See, this is another problem verse, you know, this word authority. And we look at that and it's commonly interpreted. I have authority to use your body for my pleasure. For my needs. For my needs, right? Yeah. And, but and but this, nobody, nobody asks, what authority do you actually have to do? And yeah. this has been a verse that uh, has actually been hammered over people in the church. Yeah. Your husband has authority over your body. Yeah. Never mentioning that I have authority over his body. Well, it's like, let's say I'm at the office and I'm in charge and they've given me authority over the office. Uh, I can't go into that office and burn the office down, even though I have authority over the office, because the authority I have is to treat the office like my superiors, like my boss wants me to treat this office. That means I'm going to do things for the office that's going to be good for the office. It's going to be mutually beneficial. I might even sacrifice myself for the good of the entire office. And I have that authority to do. So we have to look at this word authority and say, what authority over your body do I actually have? Well, and if we're going one step further in that authority, who is an authority over us? And what would Christ want you to do in this situation with your spouse? That, that's right. So I have to look at this. God, how do I treat Priscilla's body in a way that honors you, honors her? And brings grace and peace and intimacy to our relationship, tr full intimacy. And that's a different question. I think once you get positioned there, that my authority is to treat you in a way that would honor you and honor God, it changes the whole thing. It does. It changes everything. So that's a key one. Then in verse 5, stop depriving one another except by agreement. So this is another one, right? Yeah. This is the word that gets everyone depriving. Yeah, depriving. You are moving away. So you look at some of the underlying Greek in there, and it's a moving away from, so withholding. And so you can get a few things in there. I'd say, first of all, sex is important to God. There's a piece of our relationship, our sexuality, that he's saying, hey, this is important. You see all sorts of statistics today on the percentage of marriages that are actually sexless. And it's it's a higher number. I heard some number the other day that was like 20 or 25%. And it probably varies based on age and, and the point you are in your, your marriage. But still, it's a big number. And we've seen a lot of people that really just don't even care about it. Well, I had to look at this in my life, right? I had We had had 28 years of not much sexual intimacy, more like sexual activity. And so now we're, we're looking at ourselves and I want to see God heal me. So this is one thing I had to look at because I saw myself as being very wounded in this area. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to a prayer meeting at church and the Lord impressing me, Priscilla, you've been talking about healing. Let me see you take a step of, of faith. Go up to the front and ask a pastor to pray for you. And so I did. And I will tell you that that started the healing process in my life on how I viewed this time with you and just wanting God to come in and change everything that I had thought of before, my thinking and also my feelings towards you. And it changed. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing. If we had cancer or some significant ailment, we would be turning over every stone, talking to every doctor, trying to figure out a way to get healed from this. But somehow in our sexuality, it's not, we don't pursue the healing. And, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't the last time that we prayed about it. We have prayed over and over about the different things that God has shown us that we have had a misconception with 
reveal to us what you want us to see in this heal us in this area because it is something it is so powerful in a marriage when two people are intimate and fully known to one another and have bared everything you are completely and when i say this i don't mean in the physical way but you are bare naked in front of each other mm -hmm. that you are so vulnerable and that you want the oneness that christ wants to have in your life that you could have with one another yeah, we are yet to see a couple that comes into us dealing with emotional issues, spiritual issues, that it's not work showing up in its, their sexuality. And even if they're continuing to have physical sex, there is hurt, there is disappointment, there is um, no real contentment or peace going on within that relationship because all this stuff is designed to fit together. We are not designed to be purely sexual beings with no emotional or spiritual involvement. That That's what the dogs are. That's what the animals are. And we are not like that because God has created us as three parts, spiritual, emotional, and physical. And we're all designed to relate like that. And I tell you, Priscilla, when we started seeing that, I think that changed our life. Don't you? Yes, I do. I mean, it changed everything. So this verse we've been going through here, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5, you know, we've, we've looked at that, that this verse authorizes a spouse to be a taker. But the real focus is it encourages a spouse to be a giver. And that doesn't mean that if your spouse is not giving, you now have the authority to demand and take. So here's some problems, Priscilla, if we conclude that sex is a need, you know, it, because if, if that's the position and that's the belief inside of, inside of either spouse, it's going to work its way out with a couple of problems. What's the first one? Well, you feel like you that you can demand sex. It's, it's like my a, need. Right. It's my need. It's a, a vending machine almost, right? Mm -hmm. let, me put, let me put the the dollar in and I get my sex. Yeah. And I think from there, what happens, the next problem is that women feel like they have to perform, uh, even when there's no spiritual or emotional uh, intimacy. How does that make women feel, do you think? Well, I think they feel like a receptacle. There is no emotional connection. There is no spiritual connection. And all we have is this physical. And, you know, the crazy thing for men, when they sense their wife feels like that, it doesn't feel good to us either. Good. I mean, we want a wife who is engaged and engaged with more than just the sexuality. We might not articulate it like that, but I know that since our uh, God has helped us rebuild everything, I think it's become much fuller in that, much more satisfying, satisfying to both of us. Another problem is that women feel that if they don't do this, then their men will go somewhere else. Very common and unfortunately common in uh, counseling settings too, in situations of infidelity. We've heard many stories about how somebody will be with a counselor and they'll go through this issue of the infidelity and they'll look at the, most of the time, the woman and say, where are you meeting his needs? Well, yeah, that, that question has been thrown at me at times. Yeah. Were you meeting Phil's needs? Yes, I was. So, I mean, it's all that type of stuff. Another problem is that uh, if you believe that sex is a need, your relationship issues get blamed on not having enough sex. And we've seen even Christian ministries focus on this, right? If you'll just have enough sex, try to have it every day for 30 days. Right. Yes. And, and this will this will certainly make your so people can be a wreck spiritually and emotionally. And the message is, if you'll just get the sex right, everything else will work its way out. The last one that we saw is that you don't connect the spiritual, the emotional and the physical intimacy all together in one. 
Yeah, that's right. We've had people come in and the guy uh, ask us, will you just tell her to start having sex with me? And I, I said, no, we're not going to tell, tell her to start doing that <laughs> because that's not the issue. <laughs> but all these things, Priscilla, they all fit together. Uh, I mean, we've had to rebuild our intimacy, our spiritual, our emotional, and our sexual intimacy. And it was a it was a big deal for us. But God here over these six years and not that he's finished. Right. Not that we're finished, but it's been a rebuilding for us. It is. We had quite a few months of looking to God to reveal to us what is it that we need to do to make this different in our life. And he did. And we had to make it a priority. I mean, it was a bringing our sexuality to God, asking him to work, uh, work in it. And now, now I see that what I most want with you is complete intimacy. It's not just sexual intimacy, but I want the spiritual, I want the emotional. And we have found that when we have those two pieces, that the sexual intimacy just flows out as an expression. So we need to go back to the question that was asked, is sex a need? Well, I think our point of view is that sex is a strong desire. For sure. It is. It's a strong desire. God put it there. He had it there in the first place. But it is not a need. It's not an obligation. Uh, sex is an invitation to your partner to join into you, join in this intimate journey. And the journey is not just sexuality. It's a full, complete spiritual, emotional, and sexual journey with the sexuality flowing out of the first two. And I, I think... Priscilla, that one truth, I think, has transformed our marriage, has transformed our life, and transformed our sex life. And I would encourage couples to really look at the spiritual and the emotional side and take time to take initiative and in saying, what is it that we have here in our marriage? What is it that we have to change? What is it that we want to see God do? God is a, a miracle-working God, and He can change this. If you're looking for more information on this whole topic, uh, we'd like to recommend a book. It's by Dr. Julie Slattery. It's called God, Sex, and Your Marriage. And we just started reading this. This book came out in 2022. She's got a bunch of books out. She runs uh, Authentic Intimacy. And Priscilla, this was like a breath of fresh air to us, wasn't it? It really was because we have been walking on this road of recovery and healing. And to hear her speak through this book and say, you know, God confirmed this with us some time ago and with her also. And it's just like being able to say, hey, there's another confirmation that the road that we're on is true. Yeah. And I think God does that all the time. He confirms his word, his revelation to us all the time. Yeah. So if you haven't read that, we'd recommend it. She's got a bunch of other books, too, uh, out there. And we're just thankful for that. And Priscilla, I'm thankful for the journey that we're on. It's been unique. Uh, lots of people would look at us and say, you guys are half crazy most of the time. But that's OK with us. That's OK. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it's been a terrific journey. This is Phil and Priscilla Fretwell. Thanks for listening. Our book, Savage Marriage, Triumph Over Betrayal and Sexual Addiction, is now available on Amazon. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Savage Marriage Ministries. Also, join our Savage Marriage community at SavageMarriageMinistries.com. And remember, it's God who is at work in your savage adventure.